What is the deal with psychedelics going mainstream anyway? In this episode, I speak with Alicia Sunflower, a multimodal healer here on the Big Island of Hawaii and an advocate of psychedelic use as powerful healing tools. But she has a differing opinion in the mainstream about legalization and regulation of psychedelics. There's these, these seemingly separate worlds of this kind of underground scene of shamanistic plant medicine ceremonies and in the news, FDA approved research on psychedelics. If you ask Alicia, there's one thing missing. This feeling of connectedness and I feel like that as a human collective being that we are, that's one of the greatest things that we've lost is our deeper understanding of our connectedness connectedness, this whole other dimension of reality. We have been just living in this boxed in material world and we've lost this deeper understanding of what consciousness is. And these entheogens, they blow that up out of the water. So the question for me inevitably becomes, how do we legalize and regulate psychedelic use without losing the sacredness of these containers created for healing? With these plant allies. And if we're not being guided in containers that recognize that, that normalize that, that help the further development of that, that offer us a cultural way of life to live in alignment with the truth that emerges of a deeper understanding of our connectedness, then we're missing the whole point. Like it's not actually gonna create the healing that we need, not individually and not collectively. Hi, I'm Jordan Herbs and welcome to Sovereign States of Mind. This episode is a few days late. I apologize for that. I've been traveling and gearing up for three months of total chaos. So these episodes might be a bit more staggered now. I might be releasing them every two weeks instead of every one week. I'm also starting to focus more on my YouTube channel that I started with my family about our off-grid homesteading parenting lifestyle. It's a lot of fun and I kind of miss it. So I'll probably be putting more energy into the channel, but the quality of these podcast episodes are about to get a whole lot better because we have some really amazing conversations coming up that I'm really excited for you to hear. And this is the first of that series. In this episode with Alicia, we zigzag a bit between building an authentic brand and business in a very niche topic, psychedelic shamanism, which fascinates me that someone was able to build a business that way. And in my opinion, she's doing very well. And what's cool is that the topic of brand building in today's day and age, it really brings up themes of self-worth and mindset transformation, energy resolution that psychedelics also bring up. So it's kind of a cool bridge between these topics and we get into in this episode. And we talk a bit about trauma healing and what that means in today's context and how psychedelics and these sacred plant allies can be wonderful helpers. This episode has some very profound moments that I do believe you can glean something from, whether you're an advocate for psychedelic use or not. This is a interesting conversation, to say the least. I have been a user and an enthusiast of psychedelics for quite some time now. They've made profound changes in my life, helped me discover a lot of my own personal sovereignty, discover boundaries, discover what consciousness means and how I can explore the infiniteness of the universe on my own. And it doesn't always require psychedelics, but sometimes the psychedelics show us that these capabilities exist within us. So that's the brief introduction to this episode. If you like it, please leave a comment or a review on Spotify. There's a poll on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a review. Really appreciate your support. True freedom comes from within. Sovereign States of Mind is a project to create a bit of a catalog or database of these really important topics that we all could be exploring at one moment or another in our life. So check out SovereignStatesOfMind.com to get more details on today's episode. Sign up to the newsletter to get bi-weekly updates, both from the podcast and from my journey towards sovereignty. Okay, let's go. Sovereign States of Mind. With me today is Alicia Sunflower, and we're here to get psychedelic, Woo. to talk about healing, to talk about branding. And running a business off of very esoteric principles. Yes. <laughs> and discovering yourself in the process, I would say. Absolutely. These all kind of work hand in hand. So what strikes me the most fascinating, like when I go through your Instagram, is psychedelic shamanism seems to be like one of your things. Mm -hmm. And when I look at someone's brand and I see like, oh, there's a creator, like they obviously are putting a lot of energy and intention into their brand. I always like to look into it. This is someone's passion. Right. And creating an authentic brand means 
finding your authentic voice, sharing an authentic message and understanding that it's not about just having a niche, but in yeah. this day and age, we're moving into what I think people like you and I and fellow minded uh, enthusiasts of authenticity have felt for a long time. Like I'm not going to do this online branding, marketing myself thing, unless it's like me being real. Yeah. And I never felt like there was the space for me to be real until like this mm -hmm. year. And mm -hmm. a big part of that is my own self-development and removing the mindsets and the insecurities that kind of held me back from that. Yeah. But there is also a, a big change that's been happening over the last few years in this space. And you see more and more authentic weirdness showing up. Yep. <laughs> so I see what you're working on. I see what you offer. And I see that you actually have a real business going on. I you're do. not just out there trying to build a hype online. You have products, you have courses, you have like, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's real tangible things. Yeah. When you think about all the things people consume online, mm. all the content they consume, all the things, the courses they might be interested in buying, mm -hmm. you are narrowing it down. Yes. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> and I see it and I'm like, well, I'm your audience. I'm sure different people are going to feel different ways <laughs> about what my work is from multiple different angles. You know, it's, it's really this place of this strong call within my life. And I found in my own very personal and professional journey of the bridging of psychology and shamanism, um, of earth-based medicine. And that psychedelics is like the, it's like the key place where I really see a profound, powerful place to bridge these worlds that really aren't so um, disparate or separate. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> pretty close. But like when we look at like the this you know the psychedelic renaissance, right? It's like out in front is all of this clinically focused, you know, the FDA approved studies and all of this, which is amazing, right? Like it's, that's creating this strong foothold for the shifting of consciousness and culture to be more open to psychedelics again. Because right. it's becoming more like legally, legally and regulated. Yeah. And we got science and science says it's good. And science says it helps. Science, science. science says that it must be true. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a whole other thing. Right. <laughs> but like there's that whole piece of it and there's, you know, maps and there's double blind mm -hmm. and there's all of these um, prominent organizations. There's the decriminalization of psilocybin, um, the, you know, the legalization of cannabis that was a forerunner on that even earlier. Right. So huge all of this but it's where is the shamanistic earth-based spiritual indigenous use of these medicines of these entheogens whether they're plants or they're animals talking about like combo and bufo mm -hmm. i'm not seeing them front and center <clears throat> yet uh it's it's happening you know that that's where my psychedelic experience has been it's been in ceremony with people who are serving medicines in this ceremonious way. Um, sometimes very traditionally, I've sat with indigenous facilitators. I've sat with people from the West. And I know a huge number of people who are part of this world as well. And I've experienced profound shifts in my life because of not only these medicines, but of these ceremonies. And I was already on my shamanic path before I started to experience psychedelic medicines. And once I did, it was like this whole other deeper homecoming of, of my soul um, within the psychedelic space. So I really feel like there's these, these seemingly separate worlds of this kind of underground scene of shamanistic plant medicine ceremonies and the in the news, FDA approved research on psychedelics. And what I want to do is help bridge the gap and bring the beauty of the, you know, some of the clinically approved trauma informed care ways of working with psychedelics into this shamanistic plant medicine world. So, speaking of shamanistic plant allies, this show is brought to you by Kapi Hawaii. A few months ago, when this company approached me and said, we'd like to sponsor your podcast, I was ecstatic. I had worked with Kapi in a different form. It's a brew down in the Amazon. You go do ceremonies with shamans. And I had some really profound changes happen in my life. I recognized I was not taking responsibility for myself in deep, 
troublesome moments. And I would always find a reason to victimize myself, anything to feel bad. And this was a habit I had grown up with. The copy vine at very large doses made me recognize this in just one evening. At microdosing levels, you can expect to gain better clarity over yourself and create more space in the moment between reaction and response. And to subtly enhance the focus you have in your everyday life, whether that's being present with your children, being creative, working on your business, whatever it might be. It is a very special and sacred plant that humans have used for tens of thousands of years. I'm actually very excited to see it being used more globally now in different ways, including this microdosing gummy. You can get them at copyhawaii.com. It's all already locally grown on the big island of Hawaii, organically processed, it's FDA approved, it's not psychoactive, it's non-impairing. It's very subtle, but very profound. And there is no other product I would actually want to have sponsored this show. So I'm actually very honored for it to be the show sponsor. I generally give it to guests before our real life episodes. So check out copyhawaii.com and you can get 15% off your first purchase with promo code Jordan. Copyhawaii.com, C-A-A-P-I-H-A-W-A-I-I.com. If this product sounds interesting to you, this is a great way to support this show by checking it out. And I do not think you'll be disappointed either by these microdosing lozenges. People seem to put it into boxes. Like everyone knows about ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, but like, oh, I'm going to go to, to Peru or wherever and I'm going to do the ayahuasca retreat and that's that. Right. Oh, there's like a specific guy that does mushrooms in Jamaica because they're legal in Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you go do that. And so what I hear from you is that, well, let's bridge this into more, I don't want to say everyday, but let's be less about the boxes, the niche, and let's mm-hmm. be more about the process, the practice, the integration here. Yeah. And to loop this around a little bit to the branding thing, it's funny because one of my first ideas, I had a YouTube channel. I built an audience of like 7,000 subscribers from weed videos, mm. cannabis videos. Okay. <laughs> and I called it digital shamanism because I would wear a third eye camera, uh-huh. a GoPro, and I'd go into legal dispensaries. Mm-hmm. States where it was legal. And this was basically porn for some people in the wow. world. The people in Malaysia where they cut off your hands if you're caught with weed, where there's a death penalty. They're watching these videos where I'm just in the shop pointing, oh, can I smell that one? Can I see that one? Wow. People are like, whoa, like what's going on? I had been using cannabis as a spiritual tool for a long time. Mm-hmm. Every morning, it would be my routine. Cannabis, walk, think, create, yoga, come out of it, boom. And so that was like my my tool for just getting into that space, which I still preach, like content creation, getting creative and creating something is like it. That's how you get to yourself. Mm. So anyway, I'm thinking like, okay, well, how can I bridge my own spiritual beliefs with this plant into something like that's content, into something I can build my brand with? And one of the first things I thought of was cannabis shamanism. I thought, why is there no one, everyone's talking about ayahuasca, everyone's doing shaman mushrooms, like these other things, but where's the shamanism for this seemingly simple plant that everyone does recreationally? Mm-hmm. Where are the people trying to share how you can use this as a tool to better your life and enhance your awareness of yourself? Totally. Yeah, that's such a powerful, important question. And I like what you said, like seemingly simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like cannabis has so much complex complexity to it. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think a lot of that has to do with culture and the ways that we have typified certain kinds of substances, you know, and like the promotion of drugs, uh, whether that be pharmaceutical drugs or drugs are bad or alcohol is good and it's legal. And the way that cannabis has been kind of taken out of its element of being a ceremonial plant of being a spiritual ally. There's just like, you know, Cheech and Chong and like (laughs) all this different kind of um, mainstream culture recognition of cannabis, but just labeling it as this kind of silly thing. People are just getting high and whatever burnout and losers and or it'll make you crazy right as the whole uh reefer madness madness. yeah financed by budweiser (laughs) yeah Yeah. right right that says so much um (laughs) but alcohol is okay but But we will make you crazy alcohol is okay because it's legal right so (laughs) yeah there's just so much propaganda um around this plant and yeah, you know, if we like look way back in history and there's different people that have like studied this, it's like the use of cannabis in India, the use of cannabis in ancient Egypt, it was always used 
as a meditation device, as a, a ceremonial sacrament um, to connect with spiritual realms, to connect with self, you know, as a part of some yogic practices, um, which is all about finding union. Right. And so like I hear about you and your practice that you had with it for years that that's the yoga that you were doing. You did some physical asanas as well, but you were really using this plant ally to um, get connected to your body, to get connected to your breath, your mind, your heart, your spirit, your creativity. That's yoga. That's to yoke. Right. So um, I think it's yeah, it's really unfortunate that cannabis has been like bastardized. I think it's our culture. I mean, same way tobacco. It's just the yeah, culture. I mean, exactly. even alcohol to an extent. Like, where yeah. does alcohol come from? It came from a way of preserving foods. It came from a way of drinking, right. hydrating when you don't have when there's cholera in the water. You know, like alcohol didn't have these roots of like yeah, yeah, of getting all fucked up. But it turned into a cultural staple for various reasons because humans are easily uh, addicted or we like to imbibe. So it just becomes a habit, routine. Yeah. And soon you know it, like generations later, you have all this ancestral trauma we're working out thanks to it. Yeah. Well, and I would say definitely in relation to it, like how much coping with trauma became a part yeah. of the use of alcohol. Just go hide in the alcohol. It's easier. Yeah, for sure. So easy. For sure. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I know people always talk about cannabis as being an escapist type of thing. I don't understand how anyone can get high, properly high. Maybe it's because I'm from California and I was always, since I was a kid, like it was high. Mm. It was never just like, yeah, cool, let's get the munchies, let's watch a movie and hang out. I, everyone had stories like that. I'm like, what are you all talking about? Like, mm. this is some, this is some shit. Like I have to sit with myself right now. And still today, you get me high, goodbye. I need to go find a dark place. I need to like, align myself because it brings up anything brings up all the energy i haven't processed yet that's somewhere in my body and so yes yoga physical asana practice is part of that but it'll bring it to the forefront of my consciousness and if i'm not finding a space to be in peace to let it through let me think about it as uncomfortable as these thoughts might be or as exciting or whatever it is then i'm gonna not have a good time I'm going to freak out. And I know other people freak out getting too high as well. And I think that's why. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people freak out on cannabis. Mm-hmm. But the fact that people are able to just sit around and use it as a tool for almost like getting lazier, that's a reflection of the culture through and through. It's right. like whether, like I said, tobacco or alcohol, it's just a reflection right. on how our culture just turns. Like even MDMA, I know that wasn't originally a party drug and now we're looking at it as a therapeutic drug, but like, my first time on MDMA was a huge journey into myself mm. that I'll never forget. Mm. And one of my big visions for life came from the end of an MDMA trip. Mm. And so all these things, all, all these things that we look at as like a party thing, right. or even like well, earlier we were talking about the Grateful Dead. Right. And the Grateful Dead, the whole thing was about LSD and like being at a Grateful Dead show. Everyone's on LSD just partying in this and then. So I, I'm sure there is an element. There was an element of like, I'm getting in the moment. I'm in the groove, good vibes. And like, it enhances that. Yeah. But just to party on these entheogens is absolutely crazy. Yeah. To me. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And it's like part of what's happening in the mainstream culture is there's like, okay, well, these aren't just for parties. These are for healing. But it's also being done in this kind of sterilized, you know, controlled right. study, standardized practice kind of way. And so it's still missing this core piece that both you and I are really aware of, which is the spirituality that these entheogens bring, you know, the, the deeper, um, connection to life, to the cosmos, to ourselves, like that's a primary aspect of these medicines. You know, I say medicines very, um, intentionally because I recognize that these, uh, different substances, these different entheogens offer us all kinds of different qualities and experiences that serve to better our life. Just like food can be medicine. You know, it's not like it, it's always or about it can be poison or it can yeah. be poison. And so these can too. And I think if we can really, um, see them as medicines and treat them as medicines and recognize that we're not just like changing brain chemistry. 
we are tapping into deep spiritual waters, even with cannabis, like that's some deep spiritual stuff that comes up there. Um, I've had some very powerful spiritual experiences with that plant medicine. And just for liability's sake, uh, legally, these are not medicines, audience. Uh, they are plant allies, we will we'll, we'll call them. They're not prescription drugs. Yeah, they're not prescription. No, but you're legally, like, you're not allowed to call things medicines unless like the, you know, the pharmaceutical regulatory oh, industry allows really? you to. Interesting. So I'm just going to make that distinction okay, right. here on this the podcast. podcast yes. So yeah, <laughs> this, the spiritual energy, I, I think that it's important that we don't like lose that. I'm thinking about people doing work with LSD or MDMA or psilocybin in clinically controlled containers. Um, would freak me out. And having nothing to do with like, that this is a spiritual thing, you know, like studies are like, oh yeah, lots of people say they have like mystical experiences. How interesting. Well, this, this, this taps into what I'm saying about people being able to just relax on marijuana or something is right. like, which don't get me wrong. It does relax you uh, after a time with me, at least I need catharsis. Mm. I need freedom of movement, of body, of voice, of whatever it might be to properly embark on a journey like that even if it's just a microdose like i just need the complete freedom and that's where i'm at that's just been my journey up until now so i can appreciate if someone's able to like you know take a little lsd with a therapist and just lay there and go through their problems i'm like that's amazing Mm -hmm. that's actually amazing to me Mm -hmm. and i do believe if they kept working at it one day they would probably need the catharsis as well and you eventually graduate to like i need to go to ecstatic dance at least once a week or once a month or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there's these practices that like when we call them medicines, it's from a holistic point of view right. of like, let's look at the whole picture here and see what it is that like your, your greater being is calling for. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's not always just words. No. Sometimes it's creative expression. And this is what right. you're saying when you're in these clinical settings, right. sure you might draw a mandala or something, uh, or yeah, you, know, you talk through it, which is powerful. It's super powerful to talk through these things, but being able to go put your feet on the earth, mm-hmm. being able to listen to the crickets at night or whatever is going on, being able to ground in to that feeling of connectedness that comes from these entheogens. That's right. like a critical part of the experience. Yes. This feeling of connectedness. And I feel like that as a human, you know, uh, collective being that we are, that's one of the greatest things that we've lost is our deeper understanding of our connectedness and what is connection really? You know, we can experience the connectedness of you and me being here and we're connecting right now in a multiple different ways. Right. But also the connectedness of the energy that exists here and now. And to me, that translates into the connection of, of spirit and of this um, whole other dimension of reality. And we have been just living in this boxed in material world. And we've lost this deeper understanding of what consciousness is. And these theogens they blow that up out of the water. And that is one of their greatest gifts to us. And if we're not being uh, guided in containers that recognize that, that normalize that, that help the further development of that, that offer us a cultural way of life to live in alignment with the truth that emerges of a deeper understanding of our connectedness, then we're missing the whole point. Like it's not actually going to create the healing that we need, not individually and not collectively. So this is your message here. Yeah. with your work. Yeah. This is what your work really embodies. Yes. And so how did you how did you come on this path? How did you arrive here today by offering these services to others? Yeah. Um well, so I uh, started my deeper studies in psychology in 2012 when I got into my master's program to become a mental health therapist and that process was equal parts um, psychological awakening and deeper embodiment into my physical body and spiritual awakening for me. Um, That 
A master's program? Mm-hmm, in my master's program. And not necessarily because my, you know, program itself or the instructors were like framing things for me in this way, but my own understanding of uh, philosophy was blown up into a deeper embodied experience of mysticism through my intellectual understanding of the importance of um, healing through all of these different psychological paradigms and skills. And then the mindful embodiment, I got into mindfulness in my program and that really shifted and changed everything. That's where I made contact with the parts of me that I had been deeply dissociated from that were living in the truth of a very complex trauma history that had been, you know, gaslit and all of these different forms of containment and compartmentalization within my own psyche, but also within my relationships and my family where all of that abuse had taken place. So it was this deep um, unwinding that happened for me, um, that opened me up into my body and opened me up into a deeper embodied realization of these concepts of, you know, E equals MC squared and all things are energy and it's all interchangeable. And like, but now coming into a realization of that by more deeply reconnecting with disparate parts of me. And that really shifted my life in a tremendous way. And so not only was I learning a process of becoming one who could help hold space for other people's healing, but it catalyzed my life in a very deep way. Um, And then that process led me into, you know, when I graduated from my program, I'm like, I'm not done. Like there's more here. Like, what is it? And I was talking to one of my professors and I was going to get into a PhD program. I was like, that was the clear route, you know, to, to go farther in my studies, of course, now get a master's, get a PhD. Um, and I was talking to one of my professors and I was telling him like, I'm interested in trauma healing and spirituality and, and sexual healing and mindfulness and embodiment. And, you know, I'm just like, how do I bring all these things together? Like, what does that mean? He's like, I'm just going to offer you this word. What about healing? And it was like, ding, like it just, it clicked for me. Um, that word, And I got into a PhD program and was going to study the cross-cultural indigenous ways of knowing for trauma healing. And I knew that there was something deeper in this embodied spiritual earth-based way of being that was calling me and that felt very important for healing trauma. And coming into a deeper realization of my own trauma history opened my eyes to just how much this is a deeper issue for the world. Um, and seeing, beginning to see more clearly how trauma shows up in culture, um, in society, as well as in individuals and relationships, all of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I really got this like, um, big spark within me to be a part of healing on an individual and collective level. And I was like, how I got to figure this out. There's something about these like alternative and complementary ways of, of healing as they're called, uh, or complementary and alternative medicine in, um, the research. And, started getting deeper into that process. I ended up leaving that PhD program that I was in because of various reasons that it wasn't a good fit, blah, blah, blah. And that led me to my very first energy healing experience because I was going through a dark night of the soul, having left that program. And I did a session with a quantum and energy healer. And for me, it was like, yeah, quantum physics, yeah, quantum science, that that clicks with my that brain. Makes <laughs> that makes sense. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. And that really shifted my life. It was a hugely powerful experience. I started realizing how much I was feeling and already sensing and aware of on more energetic, subtle realms. And three days later, I had a profound spiritual awakening that just shifted my whole prioritization of my life to the deep embodied remembrance that the truest and deepest part of me is spirit. And that that came through this dedication to walking the road of earth-based healing and the simultaneous um, gratitude and forgiveness for all the abuses that I had experienced for all the ways I had abused myself. Mm. And in that combination of the dedication, the gratitude and the forgiveness, I was just brought to my knees and it was like this whole 
um, portal opened up inside of me for this deeper remembrance that I am spirit, that we are all spirit and that I needed to completely shift my life to really live through that lens and through that understanding. And I did. <laughs> Everything changed after that. And I've found the path of shamanism. And I realized that this was what I was looking for all along. Um, and after a few years of studying that, experiencing that, going deeper into that um, through training, but also through my own personal experiences and initiations, I found or slash plant medicine found me. <laughs> and once I started to experience the power of psychedelics, and again, like I was saying before, of these earth-based rituals and ceremonies uh, in accordance with these medicines, it was just a continue of uh, deeper, deeper remembering of who I am on a soul level. And never being able to take that, um, training of my psychological roots of being a therapist out of it, seeing and witnessing as well. Um, a lack of deeper understanding about what is happening for people on a psychological level and what is happening with traumas and how those get brought up and having like some very stark realizations around that with how my trauma was being brought up in very at times intense and overwhelming ways and witnessing the lack of care in containers um and how different ways that I was being met at different ceremonies were re-traumatizing for me mm -hmm. with the trauma that was coming up and being grateful that I am who I am. And I'd already done a significant amount of healing work for myself, as well as all of this training, have my own therapist, have my own community, have my own skills and resources. So that when that dysregulation in a very intense way came up for me, I knew how to hold myself. I knew how to lean into those that could help support me. But realizing many people don't have that, seeing a lack of integration support um, for myself and as well as so many other people having so many conversations, Jordan, with so many people over time that are like, yeah, <laughs> there's not enough integration support. I felt dropped here. I felt dropped this way. Like I, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. So I just, the more I developed myself as a therapist, becoming a trauma therapist, the more I developed myself as a medicine woman and as a shamanic facilitator, the more I was getting into my own process of spiritual awakening and trauma healing with psychedelic medicines. All of this just opened up in a clearer way that there is a deeply emergent need for both the revival of our indigenous roots through earth-based ritual and ceremony and shamanistic practice, that psychedelics are powerful portals for healing and for remembrance of our deeper connection to the earth, to uh, spirit, to ourselves, to each other, for healing in so many ways. And that there is a need for much deeper trauma-informed care in these spaces. And yeah, it's just been a journey over time of me having my own lived experiences of this personally and professionally and really leaning into the call for me to step up and to be a part of offering what I see needed rather than just saying, man, this is really needed, but to, to do more and more of that. Isn't it crazy how that kind of works out? Yeah. Where it's like you see the need developing over time and it's subconscious, but you're seeing it because you're into it. <laughs> you're into it and you recognize that you found solutions to meeting that need. Yeah. And so then the creator journey is, well, this is my experience. These are my insights on the whole thing. Let me package that up and sell it. Yeah. And it's not about like selling it like it's capitalism or something. No, right. it's about providing value to others. Yes. Let's yes. package this up and make it valuable to others. And then, yeah, going into the capitalism conversation. We live in a society where you need money. So yeah, you, you invest in yourself, you invest in, you know, you, you invest in yourself, you, you pay for someone for the product. And it's like, yeah. it's really a beautiful thing because yeah. you're the only one that can have your experience that way. And I could go start a psychedelic shamanism brand tomorrow and it would not be in competition with you because yeah. you're you and I'm me. Yeah. And what someone is buying is you. Right. 
they're not buying they're sure they're buying your course or no they're buying you right <laughs> they, they want to spend time with you they want to learn from you because right. only you had that experience yeah and so i find that a beautiful part of how things work these days you fill in you just fill in the missing the missing niche right fill in the missing gaps with with your passion and then it just it like emerged you know and I couldn't be where I am now without having been everywhere that I've been. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it, there's a divine <laughs> timing to the orchestration of all this coming forward. And like you bring up money and like doing deeper work within oh, myself so around deep. money. Well, that's why I bring it up and I, I stumble and I'm all awkward when I talk about it because yeah, I've just been so coming out of that bad. process. <laughs> totally. And yeah, the demystifying of money, the deconstruction of so much culture around money. But you know what it really boils down to? I think. I mean, in this moment is your relationship with your self-worth. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this, yeah. a lot of my psychedelic experience talking here too, is like, we are so powerful and value. Like we have so much to offer. Yeah. All of us do. Yeah. And thanks to this new peer to peer era where we're able to like share it as like, Hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I've accomplished. This is how yeah. I did it here. You want to learn too? Everyone's doing that now. Right. It's awesome. It is. It's awesome. And you just build trust with people all over the world. And then they build enough trust to want to buy something from you. Right. Like I've been like marketing all over Twitter X lately. Uh, just, you know, it's like all over the place. It's a big job. And someone wants to join my course. Like just because, I don't know, they like the way I, I do things. And there's someone that hasn't known me very long. And I'm like, but this is how it is. Because there's just a vibe. Like, oh, right. you, I like the way you do this. I like what you're offering. Uh, that price works for me. Let's do it. Right. You know, and there's someone I follow on Twitter that on their newsletter today, they said they're offering like mentorships. And I'm like, you know, I would never want to pay for something like this, but I've been watching the way you do it and I'm impressed and I want to learn from you. Right, right. And it's so different when you're like giving your money to another individual versus like some corporation or whatever that's telling you you're going to get this out of it. Totally, totally. When you're able to feed someone else's authenticity who is also trying to feed yours with their product. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a question of self-worth. How like how valuable do you see yourself? And I never got over that until very recently. I was always too scared to hide. I would hide behind a brand that wasn't mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And then very recently, very recently, in full circle, like, oh, whoa, there's a lot here. Yeah. I, I just had to remove all that self-doubt. Right. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. And, you know, there was a time even before I was like, um, really deep into my psychedelic path, though it had already opened where I was practicing as a therapist in Seattle. And um, I was like on all the insurance boards, and I was a part of a group practice, I was contracting. And I met with leader of that group practice, and I started to market myself as a spiritually oriented trauma therapist and was like, stepping out of the box, like sharing, like, this is a big part of it. This is like, who I am. This is the kind of work that I do. This is who I want to work with. And she really told me not to do it. And she was like, um, you know, it's better just to be general. You know, you get more clients, you stay full, you don't want to push anyone away and just, you know, be a general therapist. That's the old paradigm. That's the old paradigm. Anyone that tells you that hasn't figured out the new yeah. age. For sure. And so it was like, that was even a huge chapter for me. And I lost different therapist friends as I stepped out and would just claimed like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm this weirdo. <laughs> I wear like <laughs> cosmic galaxy legging pants. You know, I'm going to talk to people about spirit and what's their spirituality. I'm going to bring that into my sessions. I think it's all about this. I'm going to share out there. I think the answer is love and just putting myself on my social media, just sharing authentic authentically my spiritual weirdoness. And it was really scary to do that. And it was also that paved the way for me to get where I am now. You know, even a time of um and I still do this, I do psychedelic integration therapy and I support people in their integration process from a psychological standpoint, but also energetically, spiritually, being able to work through many different modalities to support that process, being able to work with them in different realms, um, to be able to support that process. And even putting myself out there as a psychedelic integration 
coach and specialist. I had fear about that and was like, oh, I don't know. Is that like, mm-hmm. is that really how I should put myself out there in the world? Am I feeling like fear about claiming to be a part of the psychedelic world and like getting over um, all the fear that yeah, is put like towards fear us. Of censorship yeah. there. There's like legal ramifications. Legal ramifications. You're admitting to like illegal activity. Yeah, that yeah. I have taken psychedelics and that I talk to other people who have taken psychedelics, yeah. right? And now I'm stepping into a whole other level where I'm like inviting people who um, serve them to come and learn from me. <laughs> Um, and bring more trauma-informed care into their ceremonial practice with theogens. So you realize you had to do it. You just had to be you yeah. and put it out there as you. And it's been a step-by-step yeah. getting more um, and more deeply embodied with my self-worth. So what was the first uh, client or what was the first thing that happened where you got confirmation, like affirmation from the universe mm-hmm. that this is the path? What was it? What kept you going in the beginning? Yeah. I don't know if I can think of any one specific moment, but just to say there have been so many um, at different junctures of my development. Um, I guess one thing that um, has been consistent is um, I'm a channeler as well, and that shows up in different kinds of ways and um, different kinds of containers that I hold for people, group, individual, ceremonial. And there was this lesson I got from that quantum energy healer who I received that, you know, big shift in my life with back in uh, 2016. And she told me, she's like, you have to trust your channel. She's like, something might come through and you might not know why it's coming through. And you're like thinking about it logically, you don't get it. But if it's coming through you or this person, you need to share it, even if you don't get it. And she's like, every time I do that, I get confirmation. Right. And I have leaned into that over the years. And there's times where even like earlier in my process of being like a spiritually oriented trauma therapist, leaning into like, there's sound that wants to come through me right now and allowing myself to sing in a therapy session with clients and feeling like, oh, like we're not supposed to do that. that. Like that's not an evidence-based practice. But your intuition knows. But my intuition knows. And every time I would allow myself to um, let those frequencies come through me, to let this piece that I'm grabbing from the ethers come through me, I would immediately receive confirmation from my client. They're like, that thing, I needed that. That makes all the sense to me in this, this away. And so it's been like a long trail of confirmations like that on many different steps along the way that have just let me know, yes, trust myself, trust what wants to come through me, trust my connection to spirit, trust my um, creative uh, embodied knowing of how things want to be expressed through me. And it it continues to work out. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's the feedback that keeps me going. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'd send out a newsletter almost every week and we just try to like, figure out it's all e- emails from facebook i picked up over the years all the different times i left facebook mm-hmm. so i'm like i don't know what these people are going to be into but they all signed up for me right and so like i explored it from out but i always get at least one email saying hey i love what you're doing and it just keeps me going yeah. you know and, and yeah. like slowly it kind of builds and now i'm doing this cohort thing and like someone really loves it. yeah someone's life is i mean their life is not changing but they've they're finding direction and the purpose of their passion which is their product and now this is helping them build their brand create content i'm like cool and i've never really been in this space i mean i used to teach yoga and you know meditation a bit and that was all right but i was in a i was too young to really mm. handle the energy of it so i've never really been in the space of just like yeah providing value to people I've never had a business in that sense. Like mm. I would I would create videos of people and make content sharing cool stories, but I wasn't really trying to provide value beyond like, hey, I enjoy doing this and sure. you want to make a video of this, great. Win win. But when the I really set the intention to hey start providing value based on things I was always too self conscious or insecure about acknowledging about myself, which mm. is the things I've learned over the years, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's crazy what opens up and it feels really good. And 
the reason I asked you that is because I think there's, there's, a, there's an early stage in everyone's journey to become a creator yeah. that you're, you, you're going to be battling between the collective feedback you're going to get from the outside and your insecurities saying, Hey, right. it's not working. It's not for you. Quit while you're ahead, whatever. Right. Which is all just a voice. Yeah. 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 Having those confirmations along the way is super valuable. And I've also learned again and again that like, I really have to just anchor into me. I have to anchor into my connection to source, to my connection to my soul and trust myself and know myself. And um, I'm not always going to receive confirmation. I'm not always going to receive, you know, out of girls from people. Um, and can I continue? Do I have to be dependent on that? And feeling the pain that comes if I become dependent on that, I'm not receiving it. Oh. Right. And so oh. self-worth is, it needs to come from this place of um, within, you know, like we were talking about freedom last time when I was here, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom comes from within. That's the slogan for the show. True freedom comes from within. So you know about it, right? And so true freedom also then I think really comes from this place of having a deeply embedded, embodied knowing of your self-worth. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a deeply spiritual thing because my self-worth is rooted in the fact that the deepest and truest part of me is spirit, is source, is this oneness that we all are. Is God. Is God. So many names, all of them interesting and beautiful. And who am I not to be worthy of the love that I am? And yeah, and really what worth is greater yeah. than the source of all things? Right. That's like, it. That's it. That's, that's what, it. Well, and it changes your whole perspective on it. It's almost like you're able to transcend the duality of, of subjective existence. Like mm-hmm. it's not about you. Yeah. Right. It's about I'm gonna reflect all this material that as a human I've accumulated, all this experience. I'm gonna reflect it out there as value. I'm gonna reflect it out there in its utmost form because that's what the, that's what everyone else, that's what the world around me is worthy of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the reflection of that right. worth because right. it's beyond just like, well, I am worthy. Like you can repeat that yeah. mantra too much and you'll start to have delusions right. because who am I? I is beyond this body. Yeah. I is beyond your, these ambitions. Absolutely. And yeah, it becomes selfish. For us to hold back what source wants to move through us. Well, that's another way of looking at it too. Yeah. Become selfish to just keep playing, let your insecurities run the show or yeah. whatever it is with these resistance. And I, it's helpful sometimes to frame it in that way and understand it in that way because we, be selfish. Yeah. we don't yeah. want to be selfish, right? Like we want to be compassionate. And I know for myself, sometimes some of my insecurities arise around, you know, am, how am I affecting others? And uh, am I bad or am I doing bad in some way that I'm impacting other people? And then you can get so self-focused. This can happen with cannabis a lot. You get so up in yourself and in your insecurity that you end up not being able to actually show up in meaningful or good ways <laughs> with other people, right? And so there's just yeah. like this need to just kind of like, like dissipate that, just let it go, lean into, like you said, it's not really about me. And it's okay for me to just fully be and express authentically who and how I am as an act of loving service and devotion mm-hmm. to this whole glorious being that we are. And that's just a beautiful framework for life. Yes. It's a, it's like the perfect foundation for gratitude, for just being content, for enjoying the moment, for presence, for mindfulness, for yeah. relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to mention earlier, I don't know how big of a 180 this is, but relationships and the psychology of relationships and psych- psychedelics in this case. Mm. I mean, ayahuasca, I guess, is psychedelic, arguably. Uh, I was going through a really heavy relationship ending when I first encountered ayahuasca when it encountered me and it really put into perspective everything about myself that was struggling in the relationship and that was sovereignty Mm -hmm. it was me not taking responsibility 
was me not knowing where I end and the world begins and mm. not having that boundary. And fortunately, I was with a partner that was on the same wavelength of the process. And it was a full-time job, that relationship. Sure. Uh, but anyway, I learned so much about relationships mm. through that period. And I'd you know, always been into authentic relating and all that. And it's a bit different now that I have a family. But for some reason, the conversation of relationships always come up. So like when I do my Twitter X marketing stuff, it's funny because I follow a bunch of like holistic psychologists and mm. things like that because they talk about it. And I always have, I'm always able to make a plug. And my most like popular tweets, my most viral tweets were always about relationships mm. as responses to those people. Mm. And I'm not like a psychologist. So I'm not like, I'm not in that sphere. But once you start recognizing, and this is thanks to, I think, psychedelic practices mm. and integrating them properly, once you start and observing your own trauma and how it relates to how you uh, relate to others, mm-hmm. all of this, it, it like, it sums up the, this, I guess, the sovereignty space that I've chosen to be a part of for my brand. Mm. And yeah, it just, it, it, it comes up. And so why I bring it up is because I think in my head, when I hear of like psychology relationships, a couple counseling, I think of like being in a room Mm. in a sterile place. Mm -hmm. But then I think of my most powerful moments with my partner and how not dirty, but just how like chaotic they Mm. really are, especially when it's like a deep process and there's emotions involved and it brings you out of this and into this, I guess this new, this new space for healing. Yeah. Yeah. Life is beautifully messy. I think that's one of the things about ayahuasca that is like so helpful. Like there's just this whole surrender into like, <laughs> this is a mess, a purging, yeah. <laughs> right? Like all kinds of purging happening around you, the, what you're feeling and like you can be in so many different places at once you know, um, and it's, it's messy and relationships okay. and it's okay. <laughs> and relationships are messy. There are times of storms. There are times of chaos and there are times of peace. It's not this linear thing, you know, like, I don't know what, what in life is actually linear. Um, relationships certainly aren't. And there's so many different dimensions, dynamics that are happening, you know, our own relationship with self, but you could also expand that into our relationship with all of ourselves, all of our different parts within us, Mm -hmm. how conscious or unconscious we are of that, that process is happening. There's a multiplicity in here as well as out here. And then the same thing for the other person, they're having their whole experience of all of that. And then we are having this relationship where we're relating and we're connecting. And then there's this whole third entity that is created that is the relationship, Mm. which has its own biases, its own values, its own needs. And then you bring in another person and we've just, right, as you bring in a whole family, it gets, it gets complex. It gets messy. And that it's important not to try to like resolve the mess. And I think psychedelics help us with that. You know, a multitude of different psychedelics help us see it's not about like, I need to like put everything in a certain spot and keep it clean and keep it organized. If anything, you know, psychedelic experience is going to teach you to let that shit go. Like <laughs> there's no clean, clear boxes for things. Um, and to just embrace the fluid, ever-changing nature of what's happening inside of you and between you and other people, and that it's always going to be a multidimensional experience. Because that's what it means to be human. Absolutely. That's what it means to be spirit, you know, Mm. even on a deeper level. Mm. That's what it means to be spirit, the oneness, but also profoundly (laughs) multidimensional. And psychedelics will open your eyes up to that. Yeah. Well, cool. I am sweating my butt off over yeah. here. I think it's time to, to call it in. Do you want to make a shout out to anything you want to make any mentions or plugs? Yeah. Um, I'll just say if people want to learn more about me and my work, they can follow me on Instagram at the Alicia Sunflower. My website www.aliciasunflower.com. Pretty easy, simple to find. You can find me on TikTok and the same Instagram handle. TikTok. TikTok. I'm on that world too. I'm on Twitter. I don't know. That's yeah, but you are. It's up and coming. Yeah. Um, and if people want to learn more 
about integrative medicine careers, which is my training course, a nine week online course for ceremonialists to get trained in trauma-informed care and bringing a higher level of ethic and preparation and integration support to their work. That course is starting very soon in the month of September on the Equinox. Um, I still have spaces left for people to join. And it's also something I'm anticipating continuing on with the future. So stay tuned for the evolution of that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Is this the first time you're doing it? This is the first time. That's great. This is the first time. I've had this download for a couple of years and finally, boom. Have you done like any it? baby steps to, have you done parts of it before or like, have you done better programs? For sure. I've, I've done um, everything that I'm talking about and everything that I'm offering within this course are uh, it's a multitude of different kinds of things that I've had conversations and, and teaching with people one-on-one -on -one, uh, throughout the years. This yeah, is stuff that yeah. I've studied very deeply. And again, my personal experiences, my professional experiences, bringing it all together into this succinct, you know, somewhat linear course. I think that's a really good point to touch on real quick too, mm -hmm. is like, a course and like i always remember people doing their courses and everything even especially when the the, the lockdown started happening and like right. and i was like well i never really understood it but now that i'm in it i'm like i'm in this world i realize like it's really cool you realize you don't need millions of followers or like millions of people in your in your audience to to be able to make a living just packaging up what you've learned putting it out there totally. and in the same way like everything that like i one could argue that i failed uh and all my time freelancing and starting companies and starting media projects and all the things i've done that never like turned into something that could sustain me professionally mm -hmm. in all the ways not just financially but also just inspirational and it's important yeah um yeah, I suddenly package up all the things I've learned and all those failures, all those years and years upon failures. So I've never really looked at it that way, but right. I package up all those things I've learned, uh, the skills, the production stuff, and then the mindsets that go with it. And then suddenly it's like, like you said, it's kind of nonlinear, but it's something that people can derive value from. Yeah, people absolutely. can learn from. And yeah, if you're listening, this could be you. And like, I just, well, it's so important to me. I want people to feel inspired to take the leap. It's like, if you know it's there, it's because it's there. Right. Even if you don't know it's there, it is there. Uh, it's just a matter of starting on that journey to get started. And trust your process and your timing. And big things aren't built overnight. And you will have an authentic process of coming into your fuller expression. You Patience. can allow that. Yeah, allow it to unfold. Be patient with yourself and be consistent. Keep creating. Let it be messy. Let yeah. it be messy. Right, right. And that reminds me, I should do a plug for the Creator Sovereignty cohort that is turning into a course. We're starting next Wednesday, and I don't know if this episode is going to be out by then, but there's another session in the middle of October. And it's essentially for anyone in the early stages or like ready to make the commitment to starting your brand. Mm -hmm. It's everything you need to learn about how to create an online presence, how to start generating attention, engaging people, getting their emails, starting an email list. It's not just about social media. It's about making videos. It's about writing. It's about figuring out a process, like a formula for developing your message, which as I say, is that content creation is your yoga. Mm -hmm. You do it every day. You make a space, like it can be part of your yoga. And some people it is your yoga, it is yoga. You put your camera out, but it needs to be done. It's like breathing. And when you focus on it, it's enlightening. And this is the crux of the course. It's all about creating a space for accountability. It's a bunch of people that know they're powerful and all just working on expressing that power in the form of earned insights turned into, into knowledge, into things we share online. Yes. And that's creatorsovereignty.com. I've been hosting it as a cohort. So it's like just a few people and it's like coaching and I've got the curriculum. And then by next year, I'll turn it into just a course that you just buy mm. and then I'll start working on something else. But it's really great working with people in like a group setting to really find everyone's like pain points. Like, yeah. where do we get blocked? Because it's so easy to get blocked when you're starting a brand and sort of totally. post things. And, 
there's so much that goes into it these days. Yeah. I really love multimodal course offerings where it's, you have different opportunities to learn in different capacities. Right. Um, and so being able to offer like some lecture content, which I'm doing in my course, but there will also be times of having more dialogue and conversation where we can explore different experiences that people have had, go through different kinds of scenarios and demos and, and bring in a, a bit more of that embodied and relational piece as well. Um, I think when you can have multiple ways of learning at once, that's what's up. Totally. Yeah. I try to have like a, a technical realm and every, every week is like a technical thing, yeah. like a, a content thing. Uh, and then a spiritual thing. Yeah. Because that's what this whole thing is. Beautiful. So, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Alicia. Thanks for having me on again, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is available on all major apps. Please head over and follow there. And if you really like it, leaving a quick review and five stars is super helpful, especially on Apple Podcasts. SovereignStatesOfMind.com is a place you can put in your email to receive things to your inbox every week. These are updates. These are blog posts, anything related to this podcast and the theme of developing Sovereign States of Mind. Sovereign States of mind.com. You can also support the show there by becoming a monthly patron. My name is Jordan Herbs. You can find me on Twitter as Jordan Herbs, J-O-R-D-A-N-U-R-B-S. And I look forward to interacting with you and hearing a bit about your journey. If you're interested in coming on this podcast, don't hesitate to be in touch. Much love. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Sovereign States of Mind.